Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, February 17th. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me. Got a lot to get to, including uh, a preview of this weekend's games between Kansas and Baylor and Virginia and North Carolina. But first, the big news of the past 24 hours. North Carolina State has fired Mark Godfrey. Norlander, uh, Mark Godfrey gone, middle of his sixth season. Four NCAA tournaments, two Sweet 16s, but obviously missed the tournament last year. Was on his way to missing the tournament this year with one of the more disappointing teams in college basketball. Your thoughts on NC State's decision to change coaches? You remember what I said in the last podcast, Parrish? I don't. I don't pay attention to what you say a lot of the times. It's a healthy discourse we've got going here. That's why the people stick around. That's why they enjoy this. Really just a, a strong common bond that cannot be broken. This thing that we've got going like crazy. Uh, I said if they lost by 30, he'd be fired the next day. Yeah. He lost by 27. He's gone. Um, I mean, here are the facts. There are unrealistic expectations with the fan base. We understand that. Gottfried was not Herb Sendek. We also know Gottfried wasn't the first choice. We know that other candidates, when Gottfried got hired, basically gave Debbie Yao uh, the Heisman. Um, and by the way, Debbie Yao is a lame duck candidate or a lame duck athletic director as we speak. It's not an easy job. It's a very tough job, obviously, with Duke and Carolina being so close. Oh, by the way, he's getting a nice little buyout. That buyout's no joke. It's like almost $4 million. So good for him. He's not going to be poor by any means. I realize this isn't 1983. People talk about how, like, Rick Barnes wouldn't take the job and other people wouldn't take the job in the past. I don't think the Pack can do better than a B-plus, solid B-plus candidate going forward. Remember, recruits were not even born the last time State was a viable national program and oh by the way Gottfried got this team to four NCAA tournament bids and so now we've already spoken plenty about Archie Miller and the idea that he will not take it and some people think well it's because Archie's a Thad Mata guy there are many factors that go into this that's that's just one part of it and do I think the fans are delusional yeah I think actually there's a decent portion of NC State fans that are delusional I think that there's a decent amount who aren't and who are practical and pragmatic about all this but I know you talked to coaches that said they would not, you know, I wouldn't touch this job. And it's not just things like Goodman trolling people and us trying to rile up the NC State fan base. That's not just what it is, okay? The back channels are already moving with this gig as we speak. Um, it's you got to figure guys like Greg Marshall, I don't see – I know that's like a, a moonshot higher beyond Archie. I'm not necessarily – thinking that there's also a reputation that Debbie Yao is hard and difficult to work with. How long is she going to be there? Who can they get? So NC state fans better be careful what they wish for. In my opinion, um, I just got to figure there's zero interest among a level candidates. It's a tough neighborhood to compete in. And especially we, when you consider that we still got, you know, five or six years left minimally until Roy and Krzyzewski retire. Um, I'm, I'm with you in terms of the fan base, like, like all fan bases, North Carolina state, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, Indiana, there are obviously reasonable uh, fans with reasonable expectations, but there are a bunch, and NC State is, is near the top of this list, if not right at the top, who are completely delusional when it comes to uh, what their program ought to be. Like, they're living in a time that, that no longer exists. Like, I had one guy uh, try to explain to me that back in 1989, North Carolina State was right there with Duke in North Carolina. I'm like, dude, I was 12 years old in 1989. Like, what are we talking about? You're proving my point. If your reference point is 1989, 
you're, you're proving my point. Another guy wanted to bring up the 1950s. I said, well, like you're further proving my point. This is Notre Dame football fan, essentially. And you don't want to be that because Notre no. Dame's still a really good program, by the way, much more viable nationally than state GP. But those kind of fans rely on stuff from, you know, just beyond decades ago. As you said, the 50s, this is not this is not a starting point when you're talking about what kind of guys you should be hiring and what kind of program you are. You are what you've been over basically the past three or four recruiting cycles, what you are the past 15 to 20 years, not what state was in the 80s, not what it was in 83, and certainly not what it was in the 50s. You look at NC State's history, so let's just talk about the past, uh, I don't know, 25, 26 years. Mark Gottfried, in his, in his uh, let, let's count this year because this year counts. In his six years, Mark Gottfried uh, went to four NCAA tournaments. In the previous 20 before Mark was hired, the school went to five. They went to five in the previous 20 years before Mark Garfield was hired. He took them to four and six. That wasn't good enough. He uh, won five games uh, in the NCAA tournament in the past six years. In the previous 20 years before Mark Garfield was hired, the school won five games in the NCAA tournament. In other words, for a 20-year period before Mark Garfield was hired, the school won five NCAA tournament games. Then they hired Mark. He won five in five years, and that wasn't Good enough. I'm not trying to tell you that this year's season wasn't disappointing. I'm just trying to say if you are, and, and trust me, I had this same conversation with Memphis fans about Josh Pastor. Josh went to four NCAA tournaments in six years, and I know that's not John Calipari-esque, but big picture, it was pretty good. Things weren't going well when Josh left for Georgia Tech, and I get that, and I'm not trying to pretend otherwise. But um, the idea that, that Josh Pastor didn't do, relatively speaking, a good job at the University of Memphis, that's just, it's just asinine. It's revisionist history. And I would say the same thing about Mark. Uh, yes, this had gone the wrong way. And perhaps it was going to continue to go the wrong way. I can't predict the future. But uh, four NCAA tournaments in a six-year span at NC State is terrific. And two Sweet 16s is terrific relative uh, to historical standards if you take away like stuff that happened before I had underarm hair. You know, it's just like, like, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for greatness. Like you hear that so often from the North Carolina State fans who tweet you uh, to, to tell you you don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for greatness. Like you, everybody should strive for greatness. But you should also be, you know, have a, have a decent grasp, realistic grasp of what you actually are. And I just fundamentally do not believe that if you're chasing consistent high-level success without exception, like if that's what you're after, which is basically what North Carolina can do and Duke can do and a handful of other programs across America. Um, if that's what you're chasing and anything less than that isn't good enough, you're going to forever be disappointed. And that's sort of the column that I wrote. Like, here we go again. You know, like you proved 11 years ago that going to five straight NCAA tournaments wasn't enough because you nudged Herb Sindek out. You pushed him to Arizona State. Then you hired Sidney Lowe. That was a disaster. And then you hired Mark Godfrey. He went to four NCAA tournaments in six years. What you're telling me again is that that's not good enough. So in the past, you know, a little more than a decade, you have twice either uh, pushed a coach out who went to five straight NCAA tournaments or fired a coach who went to four NCAA tournaments in a six-year span. And that is one coach. Uh, and it wasn't Archie Miller and it wasn't Greg Marshall, but it was somebody who would be considered a, a second-tier candidate, possibly. Like, like if you saw a list of names of, people who could be the next head coach at North Carolina State, and you scratch through Archie Miller and you scratch through Greg Marshall, this person's name would, would, would make as much sense as anybody else's. And he basically told me yesterday, if going to four NCAA tournaments and two Sweet 16s in your first five years can't prevent you from being fired in the middle of your sixth year, that is not a good job that any man with a good job 
should take. In other words, if you've already got a good job and you're well compensated, comfortable, not on the hot seat, you, there is, it makes no sense to mess around with the NC State job because the guy who went to four NCAA tournaments and two Sweet 16s in his first five years got fired in the middle of his sixth. That's not what you want to walk into. Now, if you, if, if you just want to make it a money grab, like you coach at a certain level and you make a million dollars a year and they want to pay you $2.8 million a year, then by all means, jump at it. And if you're on the hot seat somewhere and you're looking for a fresh start, the way to wrap this back around, Josh Pastner jumped to a fresh start at Georgia Tech last year. Um, from Memphis, that, that makes some sense as well. But don't ever forget that last time North Carolina State was trying to hire a basketball coach, it was all about Shaka Smart and you know uh, Brad Stevens and Jamie Dixon. And what did they end up hiring? And I mean this with all due respect, um, but like they ended up hiring a television analyst who had been fired at Alabama two years earlier. That, that's, where, that's, that's the list you ended up shopping from. And so uh, perhaps this time will be different. Uh, I, you know, I, I would never rule anything completely out because these things can be unpredictable and money can make people do things that, you know, on February 17th, they think they wouldn't do. Uh, but I'll be surprised if it goes much differently than it went last time. I don't think they'll end up with the guys they, the fan base wants to end up with. Although I will say this, I would take a real run at Greg Marshall uh, because it, at some point, and I, I'm not speaking for Greg here, but at, at some point, do you get bored you know, and I, I, I also mean this with all due respect. Do you get bored going to Evansville? Do you get bored going to Southern Illinois? Do you, yeah, you're making a whole bunch of money, but do you want to, at least before you retire, go bang heads with the big boys, go play on national television basically every game, you know, go, you know, travel to Syracuse and, and Louisville and North Carolina and Duke and Miami, like big cities, big programs, national television. Do you want to take a shot at it? And I, I do still believe that Greg Marshall is going to want to take a shot at that someday. I do not think uh, he will retire at Wichita State. I think at some point he will get bored with you know dominating his league while recognizing they're not dominating the league this year. Illinois State's really, really good as well. But that he'll get bored with that life and want to try to bang heads with somebody. And so if I'm NC State, I, uh, I would absolutely make a phone call to Greg Marshall or to Greg Marshall's agent, and I'd put all the money on the table and see if you'd get him to jump. I, I fear for NC State that the problem will be not that he, won't, he will under no circumstances take your job, because there are a lot of resources there. You get to live in a nice city, um, a nice arena, um, you know, private planes for everything you, you want, you know, travel perfectly. Like, like there's a lot of stuff in place to, you know, that would make you stare at the NC State job um, independent of, of some of the negatives. Um, the problem, I think, if you're trying to go get Greg Marshall is that he might just look at it and say, yeah, I might take that in a different year. But like in this year, there's some other things that are more interesting. Like, does Indiana open? You know, does right. do, yeah. do, do better jobs than the North Carolina State opens? Because if that happens, um, then obviously it limits the, the pool oh, of candidates yeah. you can even go after. All right. Let's let's break this just a little bit more here. So one, the state school. I don't know how big the pool is in terms of money. So you got to think about that because Godfrey still has a lot coming to him. And you're going to have to pay a lot if you want a legit coaching candidate. Especially, here's the problem if you're a state fan, okay? You're going to, if you want a legitimate coach, and if that's what you want to go after, someone that's established, that has a good reputation, that would be seen as a good hire, and by the way, is a general good hire, just not one to like win the press conference, you're going to have to offer a lot of years, a lot of money. A lot of guarantees, and to be able to do that, 
I don't know how feasible it is for state. I cannot accurately speak to how deep the pockets are to make that kind of thing happen. So that might even eliminate things because Marshall's making a lot of money right now. And so he's and he's elim- he's not taking a pay cut. If you're going to pay, right, exactly. yeah. So uh, th- that might not that might even be a non-starter when it comes to that because I think Marshall is a guy that NC State fans would say, okay, we would definitely that would be a great if we could get him. I just I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying you'd probably have to lo- move a ton of pieces in order to even make that feasible. I, oh, I like like you you'd probably have to go. Like I'm not even exaggerating, seven years, twenty-eight million. Yeah, it's it, uh, GP. You're on the money. It's going to have to be that kind of thing, especially when we're talking about what we're talking about here. When Godfrey, I understand there are other issues than the overall record. I get that, but when coaches and their agents look at these kind of things and they see what happened, you cannot tell me that any coach is going to be fine with a four-year deal at one point nine million at state. Not any coach worth his salt. That's just not going to happen. So. You bring up the because the other thing is Crean's name is now being tossed out there. I actually think that Crean would be a solid hire for state, all things considered for both parties. But one, if if is Crean even going to leave? You know what? If uh, I were if I were NC State, I would do that. And if I were Tom, I would do that. I I, I think I agree with you. I think so because also you know because you know this ties into another thing you've talked about, GP. The fans violently turned on Godfrey. Like this is this was bad, bad, bad. Dude, he got booed in the introductions the other night. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did, I mean, that was, that exactly. was, it's, that it's was embarrassing, it, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's just booing your own coach to that degree in a game against a rival. Like, I, I, like, listen, I understand being passionate. I can appreciate that. I don't know how many times I've heard a college basketball coach get booed the way he, in his home arena the way he got booed in that last game or in the, in the previous game. Have you ever heard that before? I haven't. And by the way, credit to Godfrey because, listen, I, w- I was at Wake NC State when they got run up by 30 last weekend. And I talked with him after, handled the questions well. I had to be direct with him. I said, hey, listen, man, a lot of people want you fired. How do you respond to that? And do you think your job is in peril? And, you know, he gave me, a, you know, four or five quick sentences on it, handled it well and said, Matt, if you need anything, just just reach out. He And, and since then, publicly, he's been really good and handled this really well, reportedly told uh, Debbie Yao, he wanted to continue just to coach out the season with these guys if that would uh, be okay, and they've let him do it. But GP, so with Crean, and to that, okay. by the way, I, I, I like what like people have asked, why would you want to keep coaching? Because like if you want to coach again, and you still got Dennis Smith on your team, like why not see if you can do something wild, yeah. get some wins, and yeah, maybe yeah. it helps oh, you with the next gosh. job. Can you imagine? Yeah, I, can I, you, like, I I root for that so hard. Like it, that would be amazing. It would it, be it, amazing. It truly would be. Honestly, it would be a top three story of March if that happened. If a lame duck coach with a top five draft pick somehow, and by the way, NC State has talent. If they, and I'm going to be. The problem, the problem, the problem becomes like you could maybe like, hey, anything can happen in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, but you ain't going to. I know, it's deep. I know. You you can't, you can't win the ACC. There's too many good teams in there. You say that now. I know. But it, GP, <laughs> dare ourselves to dream. If that happened, oh, my goodness. I would love it. It, it would be my favorite story. story. My favorite story. It would be, it would be so incredible. Um, if you're NC State, yes, you try and get Crean, although the fan base wouldn't love that at first. Because, listen, Crean's, Crean, here's the deal with Crean. Uh, fans and general public just think he's weird, don't think he's that good of a coach. Within basketball circles, he's actually considered a fairly good tactician. He's actually a good coach. Like He knows what he's doing when it comes to that kind of stuff, and I actually think he might work well there. So if you're state, you go after him. If you're Crean, you know you maintain the theory that the, the, he's lost the fan base. He's never going to get it back. This is going to end uh, in divorce anyway, so why not just make the jump now, especially if you can get a good deal? I definitely think that there is something to that. 
I just can't speak to Crean's mentality right now and if that's something that he would truly, truly consider. Or because Indiana's having a it's just it's totally turned on him. I mean, at one point they were a top 10 team in the season. Now they're not going to even make the tournament unless like state they can make a huge run in their conference tournament. But, uh, you know, what he's thinking might right now might change in three weeks. If it really turns bad, they don't even win a Big Ten tourney game. I could see that happening. Uh, but then again, if you do that, GP, then, you know, Crean's had some success. He won a league title just last year, but he's coming off a bad year with a lot of talent. Yes, they lost OG to injury. So it's not a move in the short term that's going to rally the fan base, but it is a move that if they got Crean, and I don't even know if they will, okay? But if they did, he's a name coach, and I could definitely see him. I could I could easily picture you know, a nice seven, eight-year run for state under Crean where they're making tournaments four or five times and have one or two or maybe even three years where they're a top three ACC team. I could see that happening, but I also understand why state fans would say, Crean's just not the kind of guy we want here, but that might be misguided. Um, the different, like, and so Indiana fans right now are feeling exactly the way NC State fans were feeling three days ago, right? Like it's just time to make a change. Like they don't believe in him anymore. And once your fan base doesn't believe in you, it, it just we've talked about this a million times. It's hard to get it back, and and if not, it borders on impossible to get it back. And so that's why if I were Tom and NC State would put real money and real years on the table, I would say, you know what, let's, let's, yeah, I might end up ha- hating the next fan base just as much as I hate this fan base right now, but like, it'll be fresh for a little while. So like, let's just, let's go. Um, I, I, now keep in mind, I would make that decision strictly for professional reasons. I, I can't get into what matters to Tom as it relates to his family. You know, his kids are there. They're in, you know, they're a part of that community. I believe his daughter, I know his daughter goes to Indiana right now. Like these are all the real life things that people have to consider. I know there was a time where in football, people kept saying Mark Rick should leave Georgia. Like, yo man, it's time to go. They don't appreciate you anymore. Uh, you're on the hot seat. Um, it's just time to get out of there. And then when you would talk to people who knew Mark and they would say, professionally speaking, what that argument makes a lot of sense, but do you understand Mark Rick moved his entire family to Athens, Georgia, not just like his parents live there and don't quote me on this, but it was because I don't know exactly who, but it was like his brother-in-law lives there. His parents live there. His sister lives there. Like the whole family moved to Athens. So like, yeah, I hear you. Like, you, who wants all this stress in a fan base that doesn't appreciate you? But there's, like, real family stuff that makes it uh, impractical to just up and leave and relocate everybody. Now, ultimately, he got fired, which was the way that was always going to go if you weren't willing to leave on your own. And then he landed at Miami because you got no choice after that. Like, when they fire you, it's time to go if you still want to keep coaching. And so I can't speak to what matters to Tom uh, you know, from a from a family perspective and a personal perspective, uh, when I say if I were him, I would do it. I mean that strictly for uh, for, for pe- pro- uh, professional reasons. Um, but to wrap it back around to the to the point I was making, uh, the difference between NC State fans being unsatisfied and just wanting somebody new, and Indiana fans being unsatisfied and wanting somebody new, is that I think Indiana is the type of job where you can go get who you you know you you can get who you want. Like I. I wonder if NC State could maybe get Greg Marshall. I'm convinced Indiana could get Greg Marshall. I wonder, I doubt that NC State could get Archie Miller. I think Indiana probably could get Archie Miller. And so that's, that's the thing about that job is that's a, uh, regardless of what it has been recently or what it is right now, coaches consider Indiana a top 10 job in America. I didn't think that this year would be all that interesting on the carousel. Obviously we have on, on, a, on a given year to give fans an idea in a given year, 
you probably have there are 351 programs. You have about 40, maybe 35 to 40 coaching changes in a year. A lot of those are small jobs people don't care about. Um, but when State was doing well and Indiana was a top 10 team, it just didn't look like it was going to set up to be uh, an off season where you would have serious dominoes go down. That could definitely change, and it could get interesting in a hurry because if Indiana does open, then yes, uh, between Archie and Greg. I would those have got to probably be the top two candidates. I'm kind of thinking off the top of my head here. But anyway, um, if I were Indiana, I, if I if I were Indiana and I opened, I would target one of them, too. And I would I would bet my own money personally yeah, that they would get they would get one of those two. Yeah, I got I got I to believe that would happen. The um, other one to keep an eye on. That's a top 10 job. Yeah. And the other one to keep an eye on while we're talking coaching carousel right now, Washington. I, I think everybody understands that that job might open for obvious reasons. I think Lorenzo Romar is about to miss the NCAA tournament for the it's sixth just straight been so year. Bad, I know. Just been so bad. Uh, like they're they're about to miss the NCAA tournament for the sixth straight year. Uh, typically, if you are a Power Five coach and you miss the NCAA tournament six straight years, you do not you don't get another one. Like there, it, it's a rare exception. The guys who do, um, I don't. I, so I think people understand Washington might open. I don't. What I don't know if most people realize is that Greg Marshall's wife is from Washington State. Um, okay. They very much like that part of the country they very much like you know the idea of living on the coast um and and it doesn't mean that they'll you know greg's will be the next coach coach at washington just just don't be shocked when you hear washington opens washington's going to target greg marshall and don't think why why would greg marshall go to washington i just gave you some reasons why he might that situation's all very interesting because i got michael porter jr coming the next year his dad's currently on staff what happens with that um so that's a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so we'll see. Uh, you know, we're going to talk more carousel as we go on. This, it's just also unusual. This happened, it, we're recording here on the 17th of February. 16th is when Godfrey got fired. You almost never have a, a, a coach at a major conference school, top 40 job, um, get fired midseason like this. So it has, uh, it has sparked things earlier than expected. Uh, let me tell you about SeatGeek real quick. You know, buying tickets online for sports concerts has been confusing for a long time, but SeatGeek came along and they decided to make that different. They've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Now, my fears used to be same fears as yours, right? Okay, I'm on this ticket site. Is it legit? Um, am I getting the best price? Uh, do I need to go check 70 other sites before I ensure that I'm getting the best prize? You're wasting a lot of time, possibly wasting money. You don't have to do that with SeatGeek, and here's why. Uh, they're going to handle the price comparison for you. They search multiple ticket sites, and that way you're insured to get the best possible deal you can get. So next time you're buying tickets to anything, college basketball games, NBA games, baseball games, concerts, whatever, make sure to use SeatGeek. You can go to SeatGeek.com, obviously. Download the app in your phone, SeatGeek. You can then purchase tickets, use the promo code COLLEGEBB, that's college BB, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. You'll get a $20 rebate after your first SeatGeek purchase. So again, go download that app and purchase your tickets, use the promo code COLLEGEBB, and SeatGeek's going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase at SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. So, Norlander, I wrote a Gonzaga column. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it yet. I actually intentionally did not read it because I know you've got some uh, some 
some serious facts to throw my way. So, uh, so lay it on me. I'm interested to see what you discovered. Okay. So, uh, first off, and you've talked about this in, in a video that I saw you do uh, for CBSSports.com, the idea that just Gonzaga, this particular team, forget history, this particular team, it's overrated. It's actually not overrated. It's properly rated. Sagarin has it number one. Kimpom has them number one. And their efficiency, is it the efficiency margin rating? Yeah, the adjusted efficiency margin rating, which essentially the, the simplest way I can put this is it it looks at what Gonzaga does on a per possession basis against its opponents offensively and defensively and rates it against the rest of the sport. So this is a fairly accurate gauge of how good they are in relation to the rest of college basketball. And not only is it the best in the country, it is the second best of all time, at least all time as it pertains to the Ken Palm era, which dates back to the 2001-2002 college basketball season. The only team that's ever had a better rating is the Kentucky team that, of course, went undefeated until it lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. That was the 2015 Kentucky team with Carl Anthony Towns, Harrison Twins, uh, Devin Booker, so on and so forth. So not only is, is Gonzaga great as in this particular season, Gonzaga is registering right now as, you know, an, as an all-time great team in the last, you know, whatever it is, 15 years or so. Like, it's one of the best teams in this regular season uh, in, the best, in the past 15 seasons or so. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Las Vegas has now made them. There were times when Duke was the favorite to win the national championship. Kentucky was the favorite to win the national championship. UCLA was right there. The team with the best odds right now to win the national championship, according to Las Vegas, is Gonzaga. And Todd Furman, our buddy, um, who used to be a, a bookmaker, an odds maker at Caesars, uh, you know, he tweeted this at me a few days ago. He said, listen, uh, professional gamblers, the guys who don't blow all their money like the rest of us, they typically, year in and year out, with some exceptions, but for the most part, they think that the polls overvalue Gonzaga, that the public overvalues Gonzaga. Not this year. He said uh, this year, um, you know, they, they don't think Gonzaga is overrated. These are professional gamblers. So it doesn't matter what you're using, your eyeballs, um, the computers, uh, Las Vegas professional gamblers. Uh, they all think highly of, of Gonzaga. And beyond that, you know, they've got seven top 50 RPI wins. You know, that's more than, that's more than, Can or as many as Kansas might be more than, Can yeah, no, it's as many as Kansas, same amount. And more than like, uh, before I misquote myself, let me actually find it. It's, um, yeah. it's, I've got it right here. They've got seven top 50 RPI wins, which is the same number as Kansas and more than Arizona, UCLA, Oregon, Louisville, and West Virginia. So when people say, well, they haven't played anybody or they don't play anybody, that's not true. What's true is that they don't play as many good teams as an ACC school does or a Big 12 school does. But when they played good teams, yes, they played seven top 50 RPI teams and they've beaten every one of them. They have uh, beaten uh, the Arizona team that's in first place in the Pac-12. They've beaten the Florida team that's in first place in the SEC. The Akron team that's in first place in the MAC. The Iowa State team that won at Kansas. The Tennessee team that beat Kentucky. And they've beaten St. Mary's uh, twice. So, like, they've got quality wins. You know, like Arizona, UCLA, Oregon, Louisville, West Virginia, those are all top 10 AP teams right now. They've got more top 50 wins than all of those teams right now. So the idea that this Gonzaga team is overrated, just crazy. The other one, well, they don't have real talent, national championship talent. Well, they've got three top former, top 50 national recruits, three. And that's not as many as Kentucky or Duke. But you know what it is? It's more than Villanova had last year. Villanova's national championship team from last year, 
two consensus top 50 national recruits, according to 247 Sports. So Gonzaga's got more top 50 recruits than Villanova had last year. And this is my favorite one. Well, I've actually got two favorite ones, but my fa- this is one of them. Gonzaga always loses early in the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga always, you know, flames out. They get a high seed, and then they, they don't actually get to where they were supposed to go. Just not true. It's just not true. Here's the truth. Gonzaga has played in 17 straight NCAA tournaments under Mark Few. This is Mark's 18th year. Every single year, he's made the NCAA tournament. So, check this out. Yeah. They have gone exactly as far as their seed suggested they should go. Seed expectation, which which is something I heavily abide by. Seed expectation when the bracket is revealed, when the bracket is made, when the bracket is announced. Whatever seed Gonzaga was, they have gone exactly as far as that seed is supposed to go when the bracket's announced seven times, seven of the 17 times. They've went further than their seed suggested they were supposed to go five times. They've lost quicker than their seed suggested they were supposed to lose five times. They, Interesting. That's on, a good stat. on average, they basically do what they're supposed to do. They have won as a higher seed. Uh, they played 38 NCAA tournament games under Mark Few. They played 38 NCAA tournament games, which is kind of amazing. 38 NCAA tournament games. They've won as a higher seed 14 times. They've lost as a higher seed seven times. They've won as a lower seed seven times. They've lost as a lower seed 10 times. So they've won as a lower seed seven. These are the ones that are important. Here's all you need to know. They usually win the games they're supposed to lose. I mean, they usually win the games they're supposed to win. They usually lose the games they're supposed to lose. But they have won as a lower seed. In other words, games they weren't supposed to win seven times. And they've lost as a higher seed. In other words, games they were supposed to win seven times. They, on average, they basically... They basically, they're not, they don't, they're not March overachievers and they're not March underachievers. They basically just do what they're supposed to do on average for a 17 year period. And by the way, they've won their first game in the NCAA tournament eight consecutive years. This is not one of those teams that has lost in the first round. I mean, they've done it before, but in the past eight years, they've won their first game in the NCAA tournament. Then there's this. Yeah, but they've never made the final four. Because you, you, say, you say, I think Gonzaga's going to the Final Four. And people say, well, they've never done it before. Well, two things. One is that they've never done it before has nothing to do with this team. Literally nothing on the planet to do with this team. And, and I, I use this point in the column. In 2015, let's just say March of two, February of 2015, this time, you know who had never been to an NBA Finals? Steve Kerr's Golden State Warriors. Did anybody a month before the NBA playoffs start if you said, I just don't, if you said, I think Golden State is going to the NBA Finals, did anybody say, well, they've never done it before? They've never done it before? No, that's illogical. Like, nobody would say that. They, would, they were watching the team that was on the court, looking at what all the data said, and they said, yeah, I think, I think Golden State could go to the NBA Finals too. But for whatever reason, when you talk about Gonzaga going to the Final Four possibly this year, people say, well, they've never done it before. So, they, so like, that's a silly thing to say. No, that they've never done it before has got nothing to do with this team. And by the way, and this is the other favorite thing, the idea that they've never done it before, because this is what people say, never been to a Final Four. You know what's the accurate thing to say? That one time when they were supposed to go to a Final Four, they didn't. Because that's the truth. They've been a one seed one time. By definition, they've only supposed to, under Mark Few, they've only supposed to have made one Final Four. 
And so if you want to frame it properly, then say this. You remember that one time Gonzaga was supposed to go to the Final Four? They didn't go to the Final Four. And so let's talk about why they didn't go to the Final Four. It was 2013. They played Wichita State in the round of 32. I was at, I was at the game. Yep. Okay. So in the moment, I'm sure that I thought exactly what most people thought. Oh, wow. What an embarrassing loss. You're a one seed. You had a 32-2 and record on Selection Sunday. And now you're losing to Wichita State from the Missouri Valley Conference. Like, in the moment, that is what I think most people thought. I'm confident. I don't remember, but I'm assuming that's what I thought as well. But, but hindsight, you know, paints a different picture. Because what we find out is that Wichita State wasn't some plucky NBC school. It was a school that went on to go to the Final Four itself and, by the way, played Louisville tougher than anybody else did in that NCAA tournament. They lost a single-digit game to Louisville in the national semifinals. Louisville won the national championship. Nobody, not even Michigan in the championship game, played Louisville closer than Wichita State did in the national semifinals. Beyond that, that team, three future NBA players. Who knew that at the time? Clee Anthony Early, Ron Baker, Fred Van Vliet. We didn't know they had three future NBA players, but that is what they had. And by the way, they all played well. 16 points for Clee Anthony, 16 points for Ron, and I think Fred averaged, I mean, added 11 or 12 points. They all played well. Beyond that, Wichita State was 14 of 28 from three. They got uncharacteristically hot from the perimeter yeah, in a 40 minute basketball game. It made 14 three pointers. So here's what I, 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 you know, I, I wrote in the column is that, you know, if the only thing you've got to hammer home about how Wichita State's never been to a Final Four is to highlight the one time they were actually supposed to go to the Final Four as a one seed. They lost to a Wichita State team that had three future NBA players and made 14 three-pointers? Like, is that really an indictment of Gonzaga's program or, or, uh, or evidence that they underachieve? Here's what I think. On that particular day, that Wichita State team with three future NBA players all scoring in double figures and the team making 14 three-pointers, that team... That team would have beaten anybody in that game, Louisville included. And so the column is basically just trying to dispel all these myths. I just sort of collected things that I hear from people every time I tweet or talk or write about Gonzaga. And I said, okay, here's what people say. Now let me explain to you why it's not true. And um, it like I, obviously I'm biased, but it seems difficult to argue against. And I'm not promising you Gonzaga is going to go to the Final Four this year any more than I'm promising you Duke or Kentucky is going to go to the Final Four this year. All I'm saying is that the, the people who insist that it's not uh, possible or probable or likely are just ignoring all of reality. They're dealing in fake news, just like President Trump says, dealing in completely f- fake news. Oh, man. Well, I think part of the reason why people still have a, a bad taste in their mouth from that Gonzaga 2013 team is they barely got past 16th seeded Southern. It was really one of the four or five closest games ever between a 1 and a 16, and so they, they win – by six points, uh, that was a that was a weird feeling at that game. I, that was in Salt Lake City. I happened to be covering the first round at that site that year. Harvard beat New Mexico at that site as a 14. Uh, it was a really good first weekend out there in Utah. But I remember there was like two and a half minutes to go, and I was like, oh, dear God, I'm going to have to write the 16 over one story. I'm going <laughs> to have to do this. Please don't make me do this. I was, as a writer, I was like, Please, no. <laughs> um, plus, I actually really like that Gonzaga team that year. So I think that combined with then, okay, they lose to uh, an eight-seeded Wichita State team. That kind of compounded the whole issue. But that's some good – listen, that's some good stuff right there. And I maintain that Gonzaga 
listen, if, if Duke gets really hot again, like maintains its hotness, so to speak, uh, or, or UNC rolls through the ACC tournament and wins the title, I'm not going to fight against one or two teams. If Kansas doesn't lose again, maybe Villanova if they don't lose again. Basically only those teams, though. Um, if you want to put them as the odds-on favorites to win the national title ahead of Gonzaga, I won't fight it, but... Gonzaga, to me, has proven more than enough this season to be on the very short list. And it should be considered a front runner heading into the NCAA tournament, especially if it's undefeated. And, um, yeah, I, I'm glad you wrote about that. that was, uh, that's, some, that's some good stuff. I'll have more Gonzaga stuff next week as well, but it won't be in regard to that. Uh, this team's, There's plenty to say and write about this team, and it will be, obviously, a major storyline in March and, uh, and good for Mark Few. He's going to win Coach of the Year. All they got to do is not lose and they're not going to. All they got to do is not lose against Pacific on Saturday. They play at San Diego next Thursday. San Diego's not good. And then home against BYU. Win those three, he's winning coach of the year. You can't go undefeated and not win it. So I know there have been other guys that are worthy candidates, but uh, three more victories and few will have it. I don't have this off the top of my head, GP, but I got to think that that would not be the first time he has won national coach of the year. But maybe it is. I don't know. He's, he's earned it, though. He would have earned it. And to your point, uh, yeah, they're going to finish the regular season undefeated. And I think by definition, you know, like if you think that's true, the you know, there's no reason to think they're going to lose in the West Coast Conference Tournament. I mean, they could, but I don't think they will. They're going to be favored by at least 20 points in their three remaining regular season games. And by the way, for you gamblers out there, they've only not covered, check this out, they've only not covered the point spread that odds makers have placed on their games four times this year, all year. They've covered all but four times that a point spread has been put, uh, has been put on a uh, on, on one of their games. Uh, check this out. Uh, there's a free offer right now that you need to take advantage of from Harry's Razors. You go to harrys.com. Uh, that's harrys.com slash college BB. Go to harrys.com slash college BB, and you're going to be able to get uh, their most popular trial set for, for free. Now, yeah, you're going to have to pay shipping, but it's a small shipping fee. And once you do that, you're going to get uh, a razor handle of your choice plus a five-blade cartridge and some shaving gel. Like I said, it's all free when you sign up at harrys.com slash college BB. Uh, here's the truth. I've signed up for Harry's and uh, I get the razors delivered straight to my front door. So here's what I'm doing now. I'm getting razors at a, uh, a less expensive price than I'd pay if I went into the you know corner uh, pharmacy, Walgreens, CVS, whatever it is when you go in. And also I don't have to go in. So I'm saving money and I don't, I'm saving a trip to whether it's the grocery store or um, the department store or just the corner pharmacy. So I'm, what Harry's is able to do for me and can do for you is uh, make getting something that you got to buy anyway, unless you just want to grow some massive beard, that you're going to have to buy anyway. It's allowing you to get it at a fraction of the price that you're going to pay in a store, and it's preventing you from having to go into a store. So go check the website, harrys.com slash collegebb. That's harrys.com slash college bb let's look ahead a little bit to the weekend there are two um i think monster games and please correct me if i'm missing one but uh, one of them is kansas baylor that's the top five matchup the other one of course is virginia north carolina uh do you think baylor beats the jayhawks in waco i think they probably do <laughs> shout out to rick bird my man belmont hosting moorhead state that's not a monster game for you belmont by the way clinching the ovc one seed Shout out to Rick Bird on 750 wins. Shouts to Rick Bird, Coach Bird, 750 wins. In all seriousness, like you win 750 games, like oh, you've done something. Yeah. He's you no, know, and highly respected mind within the sport, and uh, that's a team that's never won an NCAA tournament game. 
maybe this is finally the year if they can get in because they've made many trips and just haven't been able to uh, to pick off with an upset. But those are the two huge ones. Kansas Baylor is the biggest one of the weekend. That's a one o'clock tip on CBS. That's America's most watched network. It's the network Kansas. of stars. That's that's the rumor for sure. Um, the Jayhawks on the road to Baylor. Man, big big spot for the for the Bears here because if they lose, I don't think they have a shot at the one seed. Kansas will also if they win have the lock on a 13th straight Big 12 title. I'm just intrigued to see how Baylor plays in this spot. They've had big games plenty of times. And earlier this year, they've had a number of big games, obviously. Um, But your centerpiece weekend game on your home floor, nice afternoon tip on CBS, on national television like this, knowing that you think that you can play Kansas well because you played them really well at the start of the month at Allen Fieldhouse and could not get out of there with the win. Um, I'm, I'm super intrigued to see how Kansas's offense plays against that Baylor D in that zone. And remember, Kansas really should have lost against West Virginia and pulled that out against on Monday. The other one with... Uh, so what's your UVA. prediction, Norlander? Don't try to get out of it without a prediction. Um, I'll say Kansas... Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to go Kansas. Uh, I'm going to go Kansas 76, Baylor 72. 76-72. I think Baylor's going to win the game. And let me be clear. I think Kansas is the better team. I think Kansas is going to win the Big 12. I believe it's probably going to be outright. But I think that Baylor actually wins this game. I will go Baylor 71, Kansas 67. Baylor 71. Kansas 67. I've got Baylor winning that game. And then, of course, uh, there is North Carolina at uh, – no, no, Virginia at North Carolina. That's a um, a primetime Saturday night game. It is on ESPN. That is not the network of stars. That is not America's most watched network. Virginia – I mean, it's just not. I mean, Norlander, I'm not, I'm not disparaging ESPN. I'm just facts only. Uh, yeah, yeah, facts only. It's not America's most watched network. It's not a network. It's not the network of stars. It is a network of stars, but it's not the network of stars. CBS is the network of stars. It's America's most watched network. Virginia is uh, they struggling a little bit. They've lost two straight. They've lost four of their past six. You worried about Tony Bennett's? Uh, you want to put him on the hot seat? Tony Bennett on the hot seat if he doesn't get this thing turned around? Who's putting? No one's putting Tony Bennett on the. Hot NC State seat. fans would. NC State fans would. They wouldn't tolerate. They wouldn't tolerate this. Facts only, right there. <laughs> uh, UNC could has a big time opportunity with the, with getting the game on its home floor to get to eleven and three in the league. Let me bring up the league standings real quick. So they got a one game lead in the loss column right now. The teams with they got a three game clog behind them. Louisville, Duke, and Florida State all have four losses. Real quick, GP. Right now, this weekend, Louisville plays. They get Virginia Tech at home, so Louisville will probably maintain that four loss margin. Duke plays at home to Wake. Duke should win that game. Will also stay at four losses. Florida State at Pitt. Pitt's not that good, but you never know. So we'll see. But if you, if Carolina can get this win uh, to maintain the edge, it's Important for Carolina in, in one, the one seed chase, but also the ACC regular season title because Carolina's final five, six games in league play is tougher than anyone else in the ACC because after this, they got to host Louisville, have at Pitt, at Virginia, and then Duke. So they got to play Duke, uh, Virginia two of their next four games. Hard to think that they could sweep them. I do think Carolina will win this, but Virginia's one of those teams with the way that they play and what they've been able to do 
overall, I still think is really impressive. And there's a reason why, you know, they're 18 and seven and they're still third in Ken Palm, which is a predictive base, which is, which is nuts. But with what Bennett does and how he coaches, if you told me that Virginia got the, the upset at, at Carolina, I'd be like, well, that's just the ACC this year. And that's sure. just what Virginia does. But I do think Carolina will win. Give me, give me the heels. And I, I got to believe the heels will crack 70 on their home floor, but barely I'll say UNC 71, Virginia 65. I'd like it to be close. Um, because because Virginia just wilted. I mean Tatum broke them. Jason Tatum just you know killed them the other night uh, for Duke. I got to think that they can't and won't let that happen again. But yeah, I do like it. Yeah, I mean the, keep in mind I would take North Carolina over anybody at the Dean Smith Center. But Virginia has one at Louisville, has one at Notre Dame, has one at Cal. Uh, so like if there's anybody who would go in and get a road win, like uh, you know Virginia is just as good a candidate as anybody else. So. Um, I won't be shocked if they win, but I won't predict them to win. I would take North Carolina, uh, you know, let's go 68-66, something like that. I think it'll be played high 60s, uh, low 70s. Uh, I think North Carolina wins, but Virginia, uh, if it's going to have a shot, uh, London Parenthes has got to play a little bit better. He hasn't been good in this two-game losing streak. He was uh, 4 of 11 from the field, just 1 of 5 from 3 against Duke. Then the game before that, this was that last Sunday, um, you know, as a double overtime game, he was seven of twenty-two from the field, just three of twelve from beyond the arc. So he's just four of his past seventeen from beyond the arc. Like if you're going to have a primary ball handler playing like that against quality opponents, it's hard to win. I mean, that's not the way Devin Downey plays. Devin Downey would not put up those type of numbers in big games like that. He got 30 once upon a time against Kentucky. That was back in 2010. John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, DeMarcus Cousins, take as many max contracts as you want, put them against Devin Downey. I know who comes out on top of that one. I watched it with my own eyeballs. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Terry Teagle. Shouts to Rick Bird. Real quick, the rest of Saturday, just a few quick games here. Because there's going to be loaded bubble implications, and we'll have all that stuff on the site. I uh, highly recommend as you watch uh, hoops, whether you just pop in the afternoon or the evening, you know, bring up uh, bring up that CBS Sports app on your phone. I got it right here. We got USC UCLA. That's a good one. That's listen. USC could really use that kind of win. I don't think they're going to get it. Michigan State at Purdue is an interesting one because one, you got Caleb Swanigan, uh, Player of the Year race going down there. Michigan State in the field as of right now, but. Winning that game would go a long way. I don't think that they will win it, but then again, it's Izzo. We're getting close to March here. Uh, I'm intrigued particularly to see that game overall. What else we got here, GP? St. Mary's, if it loses at BYU, I still think it's safely in the field, but that's the kind of win where St. Mary's will do so much better for its seed insurance if it doesn't lose on the road, but it is a tough task and a big ask for the Gales to go on the the road and do that. There was a – oh, yeah, Kentucky at Georgia. So this one's a little slippery, right? Because Georgia almost beat Kentucky at Kentucky. The Wildcats... Did Aaron Fox didn't play in that game. He did not. Uh, and he'll be on the floor here. Georgia's not even a bubble team at this point. UK's on a three-game winning streak. They looked obviously really, really good in getting their revenge win over Tennessee earlier in the week. Just want to see wh- how that game goes. I could definitely see that being a really close game throughout. That, actually, that game precedes the UVA-UNC game. And... Uh, yeah, I guess not. Not too much else. Not too much else. I mean, we we'll see how NC State responds now that they know their coach is out. Notre Dame's coming to town. 
see if they lose by 30 again, I guess. And, uh, and well, Sunday you get Maryland, Wisconsin. That's two huge. teams. Huge. I mean, yeah. Two teams tied yeah. atop the Big 12. Uh, I mean, Big 12. Big two 10 two, standings. Yeah. yeah. Maryland, Wisconsin, Purdue all tied Big 10 standings because Wisconsin lost last night um, to Michigan. Yeah, lose, yeah, lost. At, Michigan, yeah. Uh, Bronson Canning didn't play, so that's worth noting. Right. But um, they still lost, uh, so they're now tied with Maryland. That game, also on the network of stars, also on America's Most Watched Network, 1 o'clock Eastern tip on Sunday afternoon. So that'll be the uh, the big game on Sunday because the only other ranked games uh, are games featuring a ranked team on Sunday, DePaul at Butler, Georgetown at Creighton. So Maryland, Wisconsin will get all of the attention on Sunday afternoon, and then uh, shortly after it's over, we will be right back here to record another Ion College Basketball podcast. Remember, you can subscribe, and you should surprise. Seriously, go subscribe. I get tired of saying this, but I feel like I have to. Go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball podcast on iTunes. It's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. Please do that. Thank you all for listening. We're going to talk to you again, like I said, on Sunday. Till then, take care. Thank you.